You're listening to the 108 Bricks Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at 108BricksPod and also use the hashtag 108Bricks to get involved with each show. Also, be sure to give us a like on Facebook, 108 Bricks Podcast, and get involved with all of our conversations during the show. All right, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the 108 Bricks Podcast. My name is Dylan Buckwhites, as always, here with the one and only... The talented, the lovely, the gorgeous All right, I Cope, already me. gave you more than enough <laughs> praise, and you're just trying to add on top of it. Of course, because why wouldn't I? This guy over here. <laughs> oh, boy. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week and some good and a bad. lot of stuff to not talk about because we didn't get much baseball in the past couple weeks. Yes, that's also true. But um, we do or at least I think we should acknowledge the fact that we did have an interview with Danny Parkins and the fact that the flash drive that we had it on or the skimmer that we recorded in the studio or whatever decided to uh, shit the bed essentially. And uh, we do thank Danny for his time and we're going to have him back on probably near the midpoint of the season to talk more baseball with us. But unfortunately the audio is all gone and we're both really freaking pissed off about it. Dylan. <laughs> yeah, it was a little annoying, but back on top of baseball things, because you're probably sick of hearing us bitch about that. Yeah, really? Um, uh, Cubs are now sitting in fourth place in the NL central, a solid 10 and nine record. Um, we are recording this on 424, So they're in Cleveland right now for a night game, which, based on the weather report, may or may not happen. But if they lose this game, we'll be in exactly at 500 again, which the fun fact, Cubs have hit every iteration of 500 so far since the season has began, starting yeah, at 0-0, 1-1, 2-2, and, really and, and beyond. So I guess you could say it's better than the sluggish start we had last year, but extremely mediocre to just be playing 500 ball after about the first 20 games of the season. Yeah. Uh, especially against some of the opponents the Cubs had, you'd think we'd be doing a lot better, but I will take this situation over anything else. And especially the way the Cubs looked uh, specifically the Cubs offense in the past three or four games, mm -hmm. I can say it's, I I'm really confident that they'll break that 500 mark knock on wood. Yeah. Hopefully break that 500 mark especially since they got a couple big games against the brewers coming up as well as the cardinals i believe no i'm lying brewers and then the rockies come into town again so we get more games against the rockies but i want to bring up that Rockies series because it was pretty fun fun times in colorado for everyone yeah. wild times in colorado i guess is a better way of saying it and you know what it was a, and it was an encouraging series because in the past the cubs have been one of those teams that's struggled playing in uh, uh colorado um and even just against the team in general, but they, they played a very good competitive series against the Rockies. And um, even though it was kind of a, a, an up and down sort of series, when you look at um, the way that some of the pitching was done and, you know, kind of more specifically about like you Darvish and we'll get to him later on in the, the program, but just looking at that series as a whole, taking two out of three from the Rockies was just for me, it was at least it was an encouraging sign because that Rockies team, that offense is 
very talented. They're especially still, in Coors Field. Yeah, especially in Coors Field. They're still kind of an up-and-coming team in the pitching department as a whole. Their bullpen is a little bit more experienced, but um, the Cubs were able to take advantage of their bullpen um, several times throughout the series. And then on top of that, too, um, the keeping the offense at bay for the most part, with a few exceptions of an error or two here and there. But it was it was a, a great, I think, series to be there in uh, in Colorado to get two out of three and kind of project up in the standings. Well, so let's talk about a few things that happened out there. Specifically, because it's pretty recent, was the uh, little bit of a, an, I, I call it an argument between uh, DJ LeMahieu and Javier Baez, who mm-hmm. was pretty blatantly standing in front of him, uh, DJ during his time when he was at second base and blocking him from what uh, pretty much everyone can say was stopping him from stealing signs, which was a little outrageous because it actually caused a pause in the game. I think the umpire yeah. had a few words with the guys because I think they were just arguing and they are like, hey, he, stop it. He more specifically was doing it towards um, Baez. He was talking to Baez about it because um, Baez was getting in front of LeMahieu in the base path and then would go back to um, his shortstop position. And um, while he was doing that and LeMahieu was getting upset and everything. And then um, we were thinking of, or not, we were thinking of uh, the team was looking at it as if, you know, why is, why is he doing this from the Rocky standpoint, at least why are, why is Javi standing in front of DJ? There's no point. DJ is, claiming that he wasn't stealing signs or doing anything, but um, something was weird about that. Yeah. Something was off about it. And Javi felt the need to stand in front. And that uh, resulted in the umpire telling Javi, you know, you could basically stand in front of DJ, but you have to go back to your position when, by the time the pitch is thrown, which Javi was doing anyway. So I don't understand why the umpire had the, the need to step in and say that. Um, but stealing signs is part of the game. I mean, regardless, but if that, if it's part of the game, then it shouldn't be an issue when it's also part players... of the game for him to stand in front of it. He's yeah, allowed I mean, to play it, wherever it he be, wants. It shouldn't be an issue if Javi feels that way and he stands in front of LeMahieu to block the signs from being relayed. You know what I mean? That's that's part of it. it, it what it all kind of comes down to. And Joe Madden was all for it and defending, um, and defending Javi and everything like that. And you know, saying that you know it's all part of the game. And I, I think he also said too, you know, if if he has the the balls to do it, quite frankly that you know Javi's just fearless and I think that's I can't agree more because I think yeah. that's an, an, a really good way to describe you know Javi's swagger and he obvi- obviously Javi felt that something was going on there and he need, felt the need to step in and I to be honest I think that was a great move by Javi despite the fact that um Lemahieu was getting pissed off yeah no I, I it's it's funny because trouble seems to follow Javi wherever he's going mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> First, it was the Braves series with the bat flipping and the running. Now it's the Rockies series with blocking LeMahieu from stealing signs. There's no other way of saying it. Like, it's the nature of the game. I think all other discussion around it has been pretty much saying the exact same thing. It's part of the game. If you want to steal signs, the fielder's in his full right to try to stop you from stealing signs. And he wasn't doing anything illegal for that matter. He wasn't sitting there blocking him or throwing shit in his face and whatnot. He was just standing in front of him and if Javi felt like he had to do that then so be it and it's kind of funny because a lot of people were calling out saying that well if he if Javi was standing there then LeMahieu should just run because then Javi would get called for interference which 
he could have done but didn't so it's just one of those weird things about baseball and you hear people say it a lot but baseball is a weird sport and uh I think that that's a that's one of the signs that shows that is it it is a weird sport that there's stuff weird small little things like that that happen just on the base paths but yeah <laughs> I don't I, know I, think... I, I I can't do anything but laugh at it it's, <laughs> it's fun it's funny for me to watch something like that go down no I I agree with that the other thing too that just kind of makes me laugh is um is the is the is the full blown effort of which Javi was doing it like literally looking over his shoulder making sure um he was in front sure. of yeah and everybody was in front of him and everything like i thought it was hilarious um and just getting in general um <laughs> it was really just in a, a funny sort of conversation to to like go through and and just hear what was going on i, I don't know i got a big kick out of it and you know even more so i think it's just kind of funny that um i think it's more it just kind of says along the lines of you know how hobby is trying to protect not only the pitchers, but the catcher too, because I think was a Carantini behind the plate, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that the signs aren't getting relayed, but um, I don't have a problem with it either, but I just think it's, it's kind of funny how, um, how overblown I think this is getting from the, um, from the, at least the Rocky side of things. Um, I, I don't think Joe Madden has a big issue with it. And, but the fact that, um, I mean, I was listening to the the Rockies broadcast of that situation, and Rockies broadcasters were being typical homers. I mean, as any uh, home team announcer would be, but it also was just kind of funny to to hear them kind of speculate all this other stuff and not really fully grasp what was ha- what was happening. I don't know. I just thought in, in general it was a, it was a funny moment um, from the. Uh, um, the Rockies' perspective of the broadcast. I'm trying to understand why Javi Baez is playing in front of DJ LeMahieu. I think he thinks that DJ's kind of relaying signs. Because watch, him get right in front of him so he can't pick. And now DJ's telling him, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? I could see around you. I'm 6'4". It's kind of silly, don't but you that, think? But that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah, I think it's silly. Because you can't block his view, otherwise you'll just move so you can see the signs. Yes. That I want to ask you guys. It, it comes up once they were stealing signs. That's as old as the game itself. Exactly it's part of the right. it's part of the gamesmanship. It's part of the art of baseball. But I will say this, if you are trying to do it, you better get it right. Because you don't want to say, hey, it's gonna be a fastball, maybe inside, and then it's a curveball or vice versa. Now if there's a way that they backpicked on some sort of play like that. Like, okay, that's cool. But this is, I don't get this at all. And then as a shortstop, you have to go back to your own position. He's going now they the got the pick, pick play on. They throw it into right center field. Kind of what I was just talking about, how he cuts off his vision. At least he thinks it circles back behind him. I think DJ's asking. Yeah, he's like, what are you, what are you DJ's doing? throwing his hands up right now. And the umpire is coming in. The umpire is going to come in, and he's actually going to tell Javi, knock it off. This is Vic Carapaza, and now Joe Madden's three steps out of the dugout, seeing well, if he has to get caught. And Tom Lucello is trying to calm him down. And now here comes Greg Gibson, who's the crew chief from first base. As DJ was throwing his hands up like, what are you doing, dude? There's DJ. He goes, I wasn't stealing signs, bro, is what he said. 
And anyhow, even if he's attempting to, that's <laughs> right. part of the game. Well, and if you, you do steal signs. signs, shame on you. Get better signs. Well, there was a lot of weird things that happened this game from uh, the overturned play at home for that ended in the Cubs win to Chris Bryant picking a great day to wear sunglasses after taking a 95-mile-an-hour fastball <laughs> to the face. I've never seen a helmet do a 360 on a guy's head and then basically land perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. it, it was unbelievable. And lucky for him, that virtually hit him right in his uh, left eye or right eye. Mm -hmm. And God, it was just, it, it hit him there. You could see the glasses go flying off. The helmet did a 360. Uh, I think my favorite part about all that, well, one, Chris Bryant was okay, but two, uh, who was it? the assistant hitting coach got thrown out of the game because he chucked his coffee. At the yeah, end. It was, it was him Which, and uh, Chili Davis both got ejected in that game. Yeah. Chili Davis got ejected. And then a few moments later, <laughs> the assistant coach or a hitting coach also got ejected, which was absolutely hilarious. Cause they caught that on video and you literally see him arguing and you just see him take the cup and just, he didn't throw the cup, but he threw the contents of the cup and you can clearly tell it was coffee go flying onto the field. And then he knew right then and there he was gone. He didn't even bother waiting for the sign that he got ejected. He just turned around and was like, all right, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, you know, it's, Usually it's... you see some stuff flying onto the field. Like I know like people can throw, you could throw sunflower seeds or random stuff all over the place, but it's just kind of funny seeing something like that. I know uh, – Totally unrelated, no, but there used to be a tradition. It was 2015 on um, Anthony Rizzo's first at bat. Um, he had this, like, it was like an EDM song. And right when, like, the beat dropped during it, you could see I, every time during his first at bat in the Cubs dugout, you would see sunflower seeds just go flying out of the dugout. I have no idea who was throwing it, but every time they would just start, like, chucking seeds in the air and, like, partying on Rizzo's first at bat at Wrigley Field. Yeah. The other thing, so too about that whole situation was um i i, I want to say that they were um that the hitting coaches at least were arguing because when bryant got hit that was i think the fourth or fifth cubs batter that got hit that series i don't remember what the exact number was i could be totally well, wrong Chris with brian's him. been hit a ton already this this season it's like five times already and they're yeah dead. but the i'm talking is, is people have been saying that like they've been trying to work an inside fastball on them uh, because it's a Brian's been struggling hitting that, and mm -hmm. it's just been getting away from a lot of players, which sucks because it means Chris Bryant has taken a lot of inside fastballs that that's end up hitting him. Yeah. So it's a rough situation all around. It seems like, but I don't think that pitch was intentional on Bryant. No, I, I don't think it was either. But I, I think series, but I think from the Cubs' perspective, though, they were more furious about the part that you know that was another guy getting hit. Because I don't remember the exact number of guys that got hit by pitches um, in this just Rocky series alone, but it was it was a few, and obviously the Cubs didn't really retaliate with that or anything like that. But it was when you hit Chris Bryant up high, which I think was the frustration boiling over from the pitching or the hitting coaches because the combination of the the amount of people that got hit by pitches and the um, and the fact that their star player. At the time when that happened, seemingly was going to be out of the game and, and maybe going into a concussion protocol or something like that. That would be a, a huge frustrating moment when your guys are getting hit and now your best player could be potentially out for a while, which is which doesn't seem like the case because of the fact that um, 
because of the fact that he'd passed the concussion protocol and he didn't have any signs. The really only injury that he had was a laceration um, to his eye um, or to his face rather from the, the sunglasses that he wore from when he got hit. But uh, thank God for that helmet, man, because otherwise we could be talking about a totally different Cubs team right now. Oh yeah. Moving forward. They still would have been fine. We had a lot of guys to cover third time. at Stella would have been seeing a lot more playing time. Uh, maybe even Ian Happ would be seeing a lot more playing time at third base. So we would have had the depth to fill it in, but you're right. It would have been a totally different Cubs team and would have been a big hit to the year that we would have had. Um, another point I want to bring up about this series is we got another look at you, Darvish. Mm-hmm. Um, was good through four innings and just like any other Cubs pitcher this year so far, had another breakdown in the fifth inning, giving up the lead that they had. And it seems to be a reemerging pattern with Darvish where he's been solid through four, like really solid mm-hmm. through four innings. And then that fifth inning rolls around and just everything breaks down. And I don't know. I want to hear what you, you think about this, Curtis, because you've, you're the one who brought this up and put it into our rundown. But do you, are you concerned by the trends that Darvish was showing? Um, a little bit because I thought, after a few starts, he might have turned it around. It's not something to be like, you know, breaking your back, really worrying about it. And I don't think the Cubs are worried about it either. I mean, I don't think Joe Madden really has anything to worry about because all five of the Cubs starters are really good starting pitchers. They are. Um, the thing that's encouraging, though, is that Darvish has showed um, his velocity is still there. And I think the key for Darvish is just kind of locating his fastball because I feel like when he locates his fastball, he's going to have a good um, at least a good start. And that's the kind of thing that we've seen with him before is when, um, he is on his game, like for the first, th- uh, three or four innings, it's cause his fastball command is pretty good. And he's got the command of his off speed pitches. And I'm not sure, you know, when the, when the one thing kind of goes off the rails, so to speak, like for example, the Bach that was called on him a few starts ago. And then the, the one inning in Colorado, I don't know if he just tries to overperform and tries to like throw too hard or to throw, too much stuff on his pitches to try to make up for it. I don't know what it was um, or what it is, I should say. Um, But it seems like there's something there with Darvish that just kind of, I don't know, maybe if if it's the pressure of the new contract too, but there is a little bit of a concern there. Now, when I look back at the other big name, big money free agent starting pitcher, the Cubs signed John Lester, um, his first month of the season too was a little concerning because he didn't get off to the to a great start either but and I'm not sure if that was the pressure of the contract maybe that's the thing with Darvish who knows but eventually Lester settled in and had a good 2015 and then he was really good in 2016 so it could be a combination of a few things and I think it could possibly be more so along the lines of just a combination of the the pressure of the contract the the overthrowing his pitches sometimes or maybe he's still working to try to develop some chemistry with Wilson Contreras. I don't know what it is, but well, I, I want to expand this to not only Darvish, but the entire Cubs rotation now, because they Darvish isn't the only guy to implode in the fifth inning. Um, mm-hmm. Currently right now, Cubs opponents runs per inning at the fifth inning mark. It's at 1.28, which is yeah. last in all of baseball. Now, that basically means every almost at every time so far, when the fifth inning comes around, someone's scoring a run on the other team against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Which 
that you can't be doing that. It's almost like, oh, well, let's just wait till the fifth inning and then we'll score all of our runs there. And so far this year, we haven't had a Cubs pitcher make it past the sixth. The longest appearance so far was from a reliever in that crazy 14 inning ball game. So I ask this now about the entire Cubs rotation is like, when is it going to kick in? When are we going to get some long, longer appearances from these guys? Because you want you want your starters to go at least six or seven innings at majority of the time, especially in the beginning of the year when everything's still fresh. Obviously, you don't want to be pushing it too far, but when you can't have when your bullpen's coming in and with in the fifth inning with two outs or in the top of the sixth inning because you guys are at a hundred plus pitches and giving up three or four runs in the fifth, like that's not a good way to be playing baseball for the rest of the year. And yes, it's still early. We're only twenty games into the season, but it's been a trend so far for what is it 19 games now like you got to draw the line somewhere and i think 19 games is a big enough sample size to start criticizing it it's like all right well yeah and and i'm not this is this is a point we need to fix like we need to make sure that they're not scoring runs in the fifth inning and that our starters can go longer because the bullpen will get tired sooner or later yeah and i'm not saying this as an excuse just because it's been a trend in all baseball but the cubs haven't really had haven't had a routine um, of starts because of all the the snowouts and rainouts and everything like that too, and obviously with the with all the stuff that's been going on with that, you do have to kind of get in a routine. And pitchers are really notorious for having a routine throughout the week in between starts, especially starting pitchers. Um, not so much bullpen guys, but when you're when you're in a uh, when you're in a, a starting rotation and you know you have a, a set day. All right, I'm starting on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest fully to recover from that start. Wednesday, I'll throw a side session. Thursday, I'll I'll stretch and get you know and all that sort of stuff. When you have an off another extra off day or two thrown into the mix of that, then you might have to decide. Okay, maybe I'll throw another side session, but I don't know when I'm gonna be starting next because you don't know if this game is gonna get you in or not because of the weather. It all kind of throws it into a little bit of a whack. And I'm not saying that's the excuse for why these guys have struggled, but I'm saying it, it might be a, a small factor as to why these guys might have been struggling. And not only just the fact, too, but it, it is early in the season and there's still a ton of time left. I mean, we're, we're not even into May yet as we're recording this. Um, so there is a lot of time to be made up. And I think the, the Cubs are going to be fine moving forward. I really do. Um, but for to see some sort of consistency, I mean, even Kyle Hendricks, who is a really, really good starting pitcher too. Hey, we haven't seen, you know, the classic Kyle Hendricks of 2016 or even um, 2017 when he was um, still pretty good despite the injury in 2017, but he was really solid through 2016, almost uh, was in, or was in the Cy Young consideration um, in that year. And with all that being said, he still hasn't even had a, a at least one or two decent starts yet. And so I think that, there is still some time to be made up for those guys and that they're going to come to their normal selves soon. Um, but so far, I, I would say the only starting pitcher that has at least shown some consistency this season so far has been John Lester. And he has averaged, I think, five or six innings, seven innings you know, in his starts so far. And that's what you could get out of a guy like him. And obviously, you know, Jose Quintana pitched well. Um in Colorado and only allowing four earned runs in a, in a hitter's ballpark like that. That's pretty good for a starting pitcher like that. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of um, 
time to be made up and i think the starting rotation will be fine it's just kind of getting through the dog days of april if you want to say that yeah i i guess that's the fairest way to put it it's again for me like i don't know it's something that's a i want to be closely looking at for the rest or for at least the next few games if not like the next like half a month or something like that is just like keeping track of how the pitching's going how everything's doing and whatnot and you brought up a good point with the weather and the inconsistency like it's tough to get guys to do that but then you're seeing other pitchers doing the exact same thing we're in a time where the mlb is seeing like the most cancellations of games so far in this beginning half of the season in a long time Mm -hmm. and and so it's not just affecting the cubs it's affecting all the other teams and they seem to be handling it pretty well so maybe it's just something with the cubs pitchers maybe it's not who knows but you mentioned how like maybe could we could get more consistent we are approaching may um the weather report so far looks really good for once the cubs when the cubs finally get back we're looking at maybe some 70s possibly 80 degree weather for baseball um what the weird thing is is baseball's played in a uh, plethora of uh seasons i guess you're coming in in late spring and then mostly during the summer but a good chunk of the time played in April is during cold possible snow. Uh, a lot of players don't like playing in said snow. Cough, Jorge Soler. <laughs> His name literally speaks to the type of weather that he enjoys playing in. Yes. But who do you think on the Cubs, and this is kind of a fun question here, is who do you think on the Cubs will benefit the most once that weather switches over to more summer baseball, we're getting a lot more heat and no more cold and snow? That's a good question. Um, I think that it could be a few guys. Um, I want to say Rizzo first, just because of the fact that he's really been struggling at the plate and obviously the, the back injury, having him out of the lineup for a few, uh, about a week or so. Um, I still think that he could turn it around in this warm weather. I don't know. I, there's a lot of guys, to be honest. I think also you could throw in you Darvish too. I think maybe once the warm weather comes around and he's not pitching in flurries <laughs> he might be fine i don't know that's that's a really fair question to ask and i don't, I don't know the answer to that as to who is going to be the biggest beneficiary of that um i want to say those two guys just rizzo and and darvish the two guys that are probably struggling the most um just for that reason because of the fact that they're struggling and because of the fact that they have um a high upside moving forward but I don't know. I can't think of really anybody else. Maybe Jose Quintana too might benefit from that. I know he's um, Colombian, so he might would. I think she would love to pitch in a warmer weather atmosphere. I, like I said, there's a ton of guys that you could, um, I guess, put in that. I'm gonna go list. away from the pitching side. I'm gonna say it's Ian Happ. I'm gonna. That's fair. He killed it. He killed it in spring training, and then as soon as he came back to this colder weather and whatnot, his production just completely tanked. And I'm wondering maybe if we get more Arizona-like weather, more drier, warmer environments, that it'll it'll help him pick up his game and play more because he just he earned a starting spot and then instantly proceeded to lose that starting spot. So yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, but it's fun to look at the, at stuff like that because the weather really does have a huge effect on baseball. Uh, people, you could call baseball in a sense a game of inches it's the same as i know i know everyone refers that to football but there's a lot of small things that can change the way 
a pitch is thrown or the way the ball is fielded or how a runner is um, able to run through the base paths. Like mm-hmm. if it's raining, it's hard. It, you, the ground will be more wet. You'll be, it'll be a little more grippy. It'll be a little harder to run, or you can even slip more in the, uh, in the outfield grass or the dirt if it's too wet. So mm-hmm. like there are very, very, very specific conditions in which baseball can be played perfectly. Yeah. Um, and, that's like I, I guess you'd say like seventy-five degree weather, sunny and dry would like be the best option, or maybe a little bit of humidity. Um, obviously, we don't get that every day, and that's part of a, a baseball player's like their job to play in those conditions. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but it, it changes, and you see that from park to park, where like the air can be a little bit thinner in Colorado so the balls will fly farther or in Chicago it could be snowing and <laughs> so you really never know what you're going to get when it comes down to baseball and each every little detail even with the weather can change how a player plays or reacts to certain pitches or uh fielded balls at them so it's interesting to see how that'll go and obviously with now the weather changing we'll be into the prime months of baseball and um, hopefully no more rainouts because I'm really getting sick of baseball being not, not being played. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> the one thing about all this too, when you look at the way that this whole season has gone for the Cubs too, is just, I guess more so along the line of, um, I guess it could be worse when you look at all the, like it, it could be, it could be a lot worse when you look at the the schedule and the way that everything kind of went. But I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic. Well, actually I shouldn't say kind of, I'm very optimistic that everything's going to be fine. It's just kind of more, I guess, more. Oh, no, I'm fully of... confident in the fact that everything will be fine. I just, I'm not, I, I just don't want to go out there and be like, yeah, we're the perfect baseball team. Like, well, that's, that's what I mean. There's out there that need to be fixed for everything to be fine. I don't want to be like, I don't want to hit the panic button and call it like everything's burning down, but there's definitely things that need to be changed and improved upon for the Cubs to be the team and uh, to be the caliber of team that they want to be. at. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of like what I was trying to get to is that I don't think that there's any reason to get into a, a worry sort of stage, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of wondering or not even wondering. I just, I, I guess I'm more so just kind of thinking that it's still early and that there is still a ton of time left to be played in this baseball season. And I don't, I don't think there's need to really worry as much as people kind of have been about some of these other things. Um, I think it's more so just kind of along the lines of um, just trying to get through the dog days of April, like I was saying earlier, and everything will kind of smooth itself out. But I think we should also look ahead to another fun series that will be coming up actually by the time we record our next episode, and that will be the Crosstown Classic. And I'm thinking that that's going to be more so probably one of the more fun series in a while. I think at least for Cubs fans, it'll be. Um, But also, I think it's also just going to be one of those things, too, where the series itself is going to be from a White Sox fan standpoint, um, kind of a, a look back and or look ahead sort of thing and thinking, all right, in a few years when we're when we have all these guys up, it could be a really good potential start um, for them. I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's going to be a great series. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines more so because of the fact that, um, like I said, was saying the Cubs are going to be in that chance where they're going to be looking to really 
build off their season and move forward. And they won't see the Sox until the end of the, near the end of the season. And so that could be an interesting series, for, more interesting series for Sox fans because that will be, you know, right near the the time where the Cubs could possibly clinch at guaranteed right field, which would be pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, I I threw this in our rundown just because I wanted to bring up how weird of a fact that we're playing this Crosstown Classic so early. Usually, usually it's like a home and home where you play three games at Wrigley and then the next day you get a day off and then the next day you're at the cell. And this time it's totally different. And I don't know why baseball went with this because you're playing at them. You're we're playing the White Sox at an extremely early part of the season. Yeah. Um. In in early may and then playing really late in the season in september where possibly those games don't even mean anything so i don't know why baseball decided to go with that i think it's going to be a fun series nonetheless it always is but i like the fact that it's like oh we get six games again that are all in chicago in a row in the middle of june which is like the prime time for baseball so like they're capitalizing on the the great Chicago market. Now they're like, you know, let's just let's change this. Let's let's send it to May and September. That that'll be good, right, guys? <laughs> it's like it seems like they just either MLB didn't give a shit about the rivalry, or I don't know, they're trying something new and seeing how it works out. I'm not a big fan of it, but I'd rather have them go. I'd rather have them go in June. But yeah, I don't think we'll get more details on that next episode. It's yeah. just I just wanted to bring it up. All right, so final part here before we wrap up the episode for today. Um, we've done this in the past, and we didn't do it the last week because obviously we thought we had an episode with Danny Parkins. But regardless, um, the best and worst performing players, um, is it for the week or is it just for the season so far? Past or? couple weeks. Past couple we'll weeks. Past okay. couple weeks. So why don't you go ahead with yours, Dylan? All right, so I know, every, I know what everyone's thinking, but... I'm going with a different guy, not Javi Baez. <laughs> I went with Alberto Mora. Okay. Um, clearly, he's as a guy who has earned himself a starting spot as the new leadoff hitter for the Cubs. Uh, in the last seven days, he's batted 400, 429 on base, and slugging 500 so far. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely incredible. Which is, given those last seven days are about half of his plate appearances he's had in total. Mm-hmm. So, that's pretty nuts. But. Uh, not only has his offense been extremely productive, but his defense has been even better. If you see, if you saw the closing series uh, that the Cubs played, the closing game of the series that they played in Colorado, Albert Almora made three incredible catches out in center field. I I thought he was just like gonna get injured off of one of those. He slammed into the wall on one on one catch, uh, fell pretty bad, and like he hit his head on the ground hard on another one. One of them was a clean diving catch, so I guess I can be excited for that. But Overall, this guy has just been playing out of his mind in the past week or so. Um, more so, I'd say, than Javi. But you have Javi, so I want to hear your reasoning behind that. Well, well, obviously, he had a, a huge week. <laughs> and, um, you know, this was one of the things that we talked to Danny Parkins about in the in our episode that was unfortunately never, never published or anything because of the freaking technology at the recording studio. But, I mean, Javi's stats when he... I mean, when you look at his stats coming into the season, kind of like as, um, as like an eight hitter, I mean, his stats last season, when you look at it and when he was mainly batting eighth, he had, you know, a batting average of 273 from your eight hole hitter, which is very solid. And this year so far, he's batting 292. He's hitting very well. And he's got 
three triples this season so far, which is a career high. He's got 23 RBIs so far this season. He leads Major League Baseball. He's got seven home runs. He's he's on pace for a career year, and if he keeps this trend throughout the season, he could be a guy that could be in the MVP conversation, like legitimately an MVP candidate for this year. And I don't think that's too far-fetched to, to think about because um, – I think Javi's got the talent to be in that conversation for an, especially if he keeps us up. Um, it, it's just kind of more so along the lines of the consistency aspect of it for him. Is he able to do this throughout the last or throughout the next few weeks and continue to be that player that he wasn't, or maybe, you know, all what happened the last few weeks was just the Colorado effect. And, you know, he was hitting balls all over the place because of the fact that it was played in Colorado. I don't know what it, what it might be, but give him, give him another week and we'll see what we'll see how it goes. I, I appreciate Javi's effort that he's put in. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to look at his stats, 480 average, seven extra base hits, three home runs, nine RBIs and a 1.52 OPS. Like you can't get much better than that, but could be, could have been the Colorado effect. He was playing good before that though. I want to see how he does in Cleveland. I want to see how what happens when he comes back home. Obviously, baseball, you, you, it swings. You have your ups, you have your downs. So it could yeah. go any which way. Uh, props to him, though. Got robbed of MLB Player of the Week, which was outrageous in my opinion. But I totally agree. I, I think he should have got it. I think everyone else thought he should have got it. But whatever, we'll just move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your worst performing player so far? Um, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to go with you, Darvish, just as of right now. Um, I still think, like I said, he's got a ton of upside and and the potential in him to, to rebound from this. And, you know, maybe the warmer weather is part of that. But um, where it stands right now, I'm just going to go with Darvish just because we know what his potential and what his what he was brought in to do. And I know the Cubs really probably aren't worried about that. But as of right now, I think he is the guy that needs to really kind of step things up and turn things around. And I, I think he will. I don't think there's any question about that. But as of right now, he is my my worst performing player of the last few weeks. But I think he'll turn it around and probably in the next month or two, we'll have him as probably one of our best performing players of the week. So like I said, I, I'm not concerned about it at all. Mine, I, I kind of went a little obvious here, but I, I still want to keep bringing it up because I really like the guy and I want it to turn around as Ian Happ. Uh, 54 at bats, a negative 0.1 war, batting yeah. 222, which isn't terrible, but he only has five RBIs, two of them home runs. Obviously, we had that big home run in like the first pitch of opening day, yeah, and only slugging 370. So, not not the stats you want to see from what would be a leadoff guy, yeah. Um which basically is the only really spot he's going to fit into in that lineup unless we lose someone like Chris Bryant and then he'll be playing third base a lot more. But I'm thinking it's just because of the cold. I want, I'm want i blaming the cold because I'm looking for excuses, plain and simple. But yeah. I, I think when it moves on and we get to warmer weather and maybe he'll get a few more starts, I'd like to see the Cubs. I think the Cubs are looking to – obviously you want to put the best guys on the field whenever you want. Yeah. Um, but – I think if the Cubs put on a little run, get a few games under their belt, um, maybe can get back to first place or even just a few games over 500, that'll give Madden more of an excuse to put Happ into the game. Obviously, he isn't a terrible ball player, but when you're when you're around 500 uh, at the beginning of the season and you're you're a manager who's been wanting to talk about how you want to get off on the good foot and start the season out strong, you're going to be wanting to put the guys 
who are your best players in the game every day. That's why we're seeing Javi play every day. That's why we're seeing Alberto Mora in center field almost every game. So yeah, I, I think until we can find a way to get a uh, our footing down in the NL Central, we won't be seeing a ton of Ian Happ. Maybe uh, probably now we'd see a little more of him because he still is a switch hitter, especially with Zobris down. He'll be good for pinch hitting situations. Yeah, but starting wise, it's just not going to happen especially with the numbers he's been putting up. And it's tough to justify not putting in Albert Elmore right now. It's just, <laughs> you don't have to be a baseball guy to know that Albert Elmore is playing better than Ian Happ right now. So. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's yeah. show. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And if you at any point in time decide that, you know what, I kind of want to, get involved in the conversation, feel free to email us too. Our email for our podcast is 108brickspodcast, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Yeah, also give us a follow on Twitter at 108brickspodcast or find us on Facebook. Just search 108bricks uh, podcast. I'm sure we'll show up there. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks. It's going to be the uh, should be around the cross time cl- cross town classic. I don't know the exact dates on that. I just kind of go with the flow of things. But it should be May 11th, I believe. May hopefully, 11th, the next 12th. time we're coming to you, the Cubs will be uh, a few games over 500 and maybe even in first place in the NL Central. Go That's Cubs! That's the dream, right? Go yes. Cubs! And thanks for listening.